Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. I am thrilled today to have a special, a very special guest who has really influenced our family, Sharon Lovejoy. Sharon, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to finally meet you in per- well, sort of in person. <laughs> in person. This is awesome. We've met online a little bit uh, through Instagram and through emailing, but uh, it's really a pleasure to be sitting across from you face to face. Sharon uh, has written many books. Uh, the, the one that influenced us right off the bat um, is called Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots, which is such a clever title. Activities to do in the garden. This book here just changed our life. And we're going to be talking about that. And Sharon's other books, she's got a lot of them. So let me let me tell you about Sharon. Sharon is a natural born storyteller and an award-winning author and illustrator Her works in fiction and creative nonfiction include 10 books ranging from children's picture books to adult and children's organic gardening books, magazine articles about nature and gardening, and most recently, a historic grade, uh, a historic middle grade novel, which we have that one. It's a beautiful book. So a graduate with distinction in the field of art from San Diego State University, Sharon successfully combined her training in art with her love of botany and natural science. And you just have quite quite the set of accomplishments here, Sharon. I mean, a, a, a docent nat- uh, naturalist um, for the Morro Bay Museum of Natural History, for the Smithsonian Institu- uh, Institution, a guest on the Today Show, the Victory Garden on PBS, numerous shows on HTTV, the Discovery Channel. I mean, this... This is a list. You are just impacting the world. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I try to keep busy. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I can tell. So 10 books. So I have eight of them. I don't have my first bird book and bird feeder, which I looked up was super cute. It's a it's a book where you learn about the different birds. And yeah, and it's yes. actually like a little birdhouse. And then I don't have a day in the garden, the illustrated journal. But besides those... Besides those, I've got the other eight, and I just, they changed my life. They all, oh, that's, I mean, so I'm so glad. Well, you, you they, sold out, they sold out of the bird book, so yeah, I'm sorry. Right, you, can't, was, you can't get it. I, I noticed that. But, but it, was all about the, it was all about getting kids up close and personal with birds. So hopefully I will get it published without the birdhouse. Okay. Yeah, that's a really cool book. Um. Yeah, I saw. I saw that you can't. You know, it's hard to get them, or they're like seventy five dollars because people are selling the ones that maybe they got a while ago. Um, but I have eight of them, and so my story that led me to you uh, was that uh, my parents are avid gardeners, and my grandparents grew up on farms, and um, my parents have a beautiful garden in their backyard. My in laws, same thing, and. It just wasn't something that interested me for a very long time. I remember as a child, my mom would always try and quiz me on what flower is this one? And I was like, I don't don't know. I wasn't interested. Um, But once I had kids, I started to become more interested and, um, you know, sort of trying with them different gardening things. And I thought, well, there must be a lot for them to learn. And anyway, I was really overwhelmed, Sharon. I, I didn't know the terminology. You know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know germinate and I didn't understand you know, how to figure out when to plant it and all of these different things. And it seems like it would be easy just 
popping a seed in the ground, but then it's like, well, plant this by that. And it, it just sort of was this confluence of confusion. And I had read a lot of gardening books, but just still felt very nervous to try for whatever reason. And I think when you first start, it can be a little more expensive because you don't have anything. And so I was nervous to try. And so we hadn't really done much gardening. And my midwife, she told me about your book, Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots. And I think she sold it. She had a little store. She sold it in there. And I bought it. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love. I have this vivid memory of being out to dinner with my husband, which we didn't go out to dinner very much. Our kids are kind of clingy, but we had them over at my in-laws and um, we went out for this dinner and I had just gotten your book. And I don't think I talked to him the whole meal. I just, (laughs) you know, I had a little pencil and I was, I was just mesmerized by the ideas and by the illustrations. I'm going to hold one up here. And what it did for me was it helped me reframe, I can do this with my kids and we're going to learn. So this picture is the Sunflower House, which you do all your illustrations, right, Sharon? Right, I do. And this, I mean, this, just to look through these books. And so the Sunflower House, and then it's got this little poem that twists around inside the sunflower. It says, all summer long, we hid and played in the Sunflower House's dappled shade. A roof of morning glory vines, twisted, tangled, intertwined, and close beside us, rustling leaves, had conversations with the breeze. Wow! You know, this is just one page. And so I, I love, I love, I love writing children's poetry. It just yeah. makes me happy. Yeah. And so it helped, it reframed it for me. Instead of feeling like, oh, I might fail, or I don't really know what I'm doing, it was like, oh, I should try this. You know, it felt like this invitation and you made it seem easy and magical and something that was magnetic. Like I can't skip this. Magical. And I, and I, because you wrote to me and I started following you and watching how much joy you got and gave from your, just your zinnias alone. It is a magical thing. And it it costs virtually nothing to introduce your kids to this and to have real adventures together. Yeah, real adventures. And so this is our third, we just went through our third summer of planting. So the first year I just did, you have this list in your books of the easy things. So I think we tried radishes and we tried the zinnias and we tried, um, we tried morning glories, you know, and that was our first year. And then the second year, which was last summer, and we planted gourds and um, that was great. I tell you what, it has been a, you can't even really describe the amount of joy that it brings for such a little amount of money. You know, the, the comparison there, just sort of going out and the magic from the very beginning sprouts all the way through the harvest. And then, then you dream again, right? You know, it's like, I just got an email yesterday from Baker Creek Seeds about you know, their, their catalog for 2022 comes out in November and you can order it now. And I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> you know? that's, a, so, that's, a, that's a great catalog. Yeah. And so it's just cool. I, I, love, uh, I love just reading those catalogs and absorbing knowledge of the ages and um, Fedco, Baker Creek, uh, Renee Shepherds. And, you know, they're just, they're incredibly filled with the knowledge and the heart of all those gardener people that try things out. So those are good. That's a good introduction too. 
And I remember my grandma having them. I remember being at my grandma's house and her having uh, book, the books. And I think back then you'd had to order it with a, on a piece of paper and mail it in. You know, that's, that's what they look like. And um, back then I wasn't super interested, but I do remember her having those. And I got my first one this past year. And just like you said, there's so much. It's like a book. It is. Didn't you grow moon and star watermelon? Yes, we sure did. We sure did. And that's another thing. I think it opened up my eyes. I didn't realize the amount of variety. We grew these tiger melons, I think they're called. You know, they're the size of a baseball and they look, they're striped. It might be tiger melons. Maybe it's tiger melons. Uh, It's they're striped like a tiger. And so we grew those and the moon and stars and um, all these different colors of morning glories. And then the, the zinnias, same thing. It's all these different varieties and the gourds. I didn't realize, you know, that you could grow a white pumpkin, a ghost pumpkin or. I, I love them. No, well, but you know what? you're really growing. You're growing a whole new generation of gardeners. And that's the important thing. It's not how well your zinnias did or when you got uh, fungus on a plant. It's that your kids get to go through all of this, the ups, the downs, the excitement, the discoveries. And you're growing a whole new generation of what's really important, especially in these times. Yeah, I love that. And I think what I learned is that even if so much of it fails, you know, in quotes, even if so much of it doesn't go well. You know, I had one year, I think, where three of our zinnias grew, just three. I think I had planted tons. We had chickens and they scratched them up and three grew, but three means you've got a bunch of flowers and they flowered until October here in Michigan. And I got just so much joy. That's what I've learned. And I think it's such a good parallel for life, you know, that doesn't all have to go your way to still be beautiful. You, uh, I, our kids have to understand that everything isn't perfect, like on a computer game where you can work through things. You, life is not that way at all, and a garden sure isn't that way from the ground up. It can be really a challenge, and if they're not resilient, if they don't face those challenges, they're not going to make it in life. So, yeah, it's really good parallels. So what yeah. I have Sharon here, I have a stack. I got, I have a stack. I've got eight of the ten. So what I'm hoping is just to talk through these books because, you know, I think as parents, we buy a lot of resources for our kids and often we don't use them. You know, there's like this dreamy looking resource and we think, but your books um, are books that we have really used. And what I, I can't even really comprehend is how much is packed into these books. Um, so I'd love to just talk through your books and kind of how you got to the different ones and maybe some of your favorite parts in them. So I want to start with this root shoots, buckets and boots. Since this was my first, um, this was my first foray into your books and I got all the rest because I love them so much. So, okay. I got my, my old faded. (laughs) And Sharon does all the illustrations for these. I mean, and they are whimsical, so these are fun books for adults and for kids, which I love that. Even the table of contents. I'm going to have to have people to come look at the YouTube video. I mean, look at the table of contents. There's so much detail here, Sharon. I love that you say in the introduction, you say, all knowledge is rooted in wonder. And what better place to cultivate wonder than in our own gardens? So this is such a beautiful book. We've tried so many of the ideas. We've tried the Sunflower House and 
I mean, you just have, like I said, you just go page by page and there's, there's so much here and these beautiful illustrations, like these pumpkins, look how pretty those are. So I, I put in a couple little pieces of paper, but, um, and to kind of guide me through, uh, but you talk about this. Let me, let me grab one little section. You talk about gourds. Gourds are mother nature's all purpose plants. From birdhouses to bath sponges, drums to dolls, a garden draped in gourds can supply children with endless hours of fun and discoveries. Small ornamental mixed gourds are perfect hideout plants, will quickly engulf a playhouse or teepee with vines and a blaze of papery star-shaped blossoms. One packet of seeds will produce colorful oddities that will look like apples, pears, oranges, Warty monsters and strange crowns studded with thorns. Children treasure hunt for the ugliest, strangest, scariest, and prettiest offspring. I mean, that is just three, three paragraphs out of this book. This <laughs> really is, it changed my life because I wanted to do that. Thank you. you know, I want to, I want to get the one packet of gourd seeds, you know, and, and do the treasure hunt and, and, like I say, it's just that in that one little, and the whole book is like that. You take one little bit and you get so much out of it. So tell us about Root Shoots, Buckets, and Boots. When did this one come out? Do uh, you have a favorite part in there? This took a long time to write because I had my publisher, Workman Publishing, wanted a book from me, but they didn't know what they wanted. And I wanted a children's book. And when I, I know you saw the discovery walks inside the book where the kids go out and they, they taste uh, something like a borage flower or they see the little tomatillos that look like people in jackets. Well, I think when I, I spent three years writing uh, not just paragraphs, but books for workmen and I would submit them and they go, no. And then one morning I got up and I did uh, a discovery walk because that's what I did with my son every day from about the time he was 10 days old. I thought, why didn't I think of this? That day they said, that's what we want. We want that sense of discovery on every page. So first thing I had to do was to make it simple, to give people the easy things to grow. And that's what you mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, the top 20 plants for kids. And it was fun. You know, it was fun just combing through everything and figuring out the ones. And, and I think Jeff sent you my uh, the article about our teaching garden. I tested everything out in there and I could watch children and how they responded to things and you know, it was a, an everyday learning for me, too. So the top 20 plants was really important and the discovery walks and um, things like learning that a four o'clock really opens at four o'clock and that Linnaeus, you know, did a flower clock. And I mean, there's just so much. I, I started, There is. I started with the pizza patch because um, that's the favorite food of children and they don't have to just be pepperoni and sausage they can be we did a party once at our house for children and we did from appetizers to desserts every single course was a different pizza and oh, the, the end, it was the end one was all fruits and whipped cream and powdered sugar and everything so you can do that so I I started with the pizza patch that was really that was to get the kids involved and then I did rainy day activities for those days that you can't go out 
side when you might want to make markers or something. Um, I tell a little bit of the history of everything that's in the garden because plants have an ancient history and lineage, and we need to we need to know that. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported, and that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. I'm looking at Sniff and Snoop right now. Yes. I mean, this book, there is, it's, I mean, there is more in this book than 50 books. I mean, you just, like you said, it's interesting that they said they wanted a book with just a sense of discovery on every page. And it is that. Well, that's what I wanted too. I, you know, I have to admit, I get really bored when I read most, don't, don't get mad at me people, but when I read most garden books, plant the plants six inches apart, one quarter inch deep, make sure your rows are straight. I think that rules are made to be broken sometimes and children, they want to go out and toss things and they'll learn that if they toss too many together, they're not going to grow. They'll be too congested, you know, so it's all a learning process and it's all discovery. It is all discovery. I flipped open to this page, the evening stakeout. So this is a discovery walk. I mean, this Uh just draws you in, Sharon. 
I love, um, I've always loved to take night walks. Jeff and I have a bat detector so we can hear the, the sonar of the bats as they approach. And you can tell if there was such a thing. Yeah, bat detector, although the bats are certainly not doing too well right now. But we have a bat detector and we love to walk at night and look at the constellations. And I thought, children are afraid to go out at night. And if you take a child out in a garden with a wonderful flashlight, maybe with some red acetate over it so that it doesn't scare things and you can see things, you can learn so much at night. We took a we took a night bug class, Jeff and I did. And they had painted the moth, the moth broth on a tree trunk. And they then they focused a light on the tree trunk and they put a sheet underneath it. And there were, I don't know, maybe two dozen or three different dozen different varieties of critters that we got to look at, catch and look at up closely and go to a sunflower head that's busy with bees during the day. And there might be 20 different incredible moths feeding on it at night. The, each one of those secretions of nectar, they're incredible. So I nighttime is really important. I, you know, I understand that some people live in dangerous areas, but um, going out and discovering what's going on under the stars is it's an eye opener and a heart opener. I'll tell you. Yeah. And you have them. I remember the moth broth. The moth broth is in this book. And sure, like what we were, t- or it's in this book or it's in one of the books. It's in this one, yes. This one. And and um, the illustrations are just gorgeous. I remember, you know, it's like you said, it's not just like, here's a recipe. It's like, here's a recipe plus a magical drawing, right? You know, I mean, that is, I love that about the book because that you just want to do it. You know, you're like, oh, I can't. I mean, I write in all my books. Yeah, I put in this one I did like really light pencil. And so I just have this, do this. Do this. <laughs> it's all over the book. <laughs> right in. <laughs> I love it. I love it when I go to a used bookstore and I, I find books with notations and the marginal notations. And but now I've started because I have so many really rare old books, I started putting post-it notes in them so that I don't destroy the books, you know. But there's some wonderful knowledge in in the old ones. Yeah. So I found it. I found the moth broth. And I like this because a, a child could look at the pictures. You know, if a young child, a toddler, you know, you've got the picture of the different things to do. And so it's almost like those books where you, I remember my mom had as a kid, like highlights magazines, where it would have the words, but then it would have the picture. And so you would read that one little part of the story. That's, that's probably good. Yeah, you can invite a little kid to do this with you. When I, when I wrote Little Green Island with a Little Red House, I decided I wanted it to be a rebus, which I grew up with things like the Little Red Hen. So there would be the picture and the word. And I associated and learned how to read that way. So Little Green Island with a Little Red House, that's why that is a rebus, so that kids can easily say the word and rhyme it in that in the scape of the, of the whole thing. So yeah, Okay, so I've got that one. I have that one next. Oh. That <laughs> way. So that's, that's, I, you have all sorts of different kinds of books. I do because I like to do different things. I get bored when I do the same thing. The only thing I do over and over is stay married to my husband. <laughs> okay. So aren't you glad, Jeff? <laughs> Sometimes maybe not, but um, 
So if you read the, the rhyming scheme of Little Green Island with a Little Red House, you see that it's it's made to accommodate the mind of a child. So they can, I was never allowed to touch the lines of a book when my grandmother was teaching me to read. So I figured that a rebus would help the kids. They'd see a house and a mouse and they could catch that whole thing. Yeah. This has been a favorite book in our house. Um and once again, you know, I'm holding this up on the YouTube video, but this is just the dedication page. And these these drawings, Sharon, I mean. You know what those are? That's when I hear those birds during from uh, mid from from midnight on. That's when I hear the, the birds. So um, when you see the um, the. I think the song sparrow and the robin, they're the first singers that I hear in the morning. Um, or the owl is the first thing I hear hooting at night. Or the, um, you know, I just, I'm trying to think of the hawk that I used. Well, that was a while ago that I wrote that. But they, they all sort, sort of come out in my life at those times. And the grasshopper. And I wanted kids to realize that all hours of the day and night, you can hear all these different voices of things. And it's, it is another case of magic. It really is magical. Yeah, it is. So this was a 2015 National Outdoor Book Award winner, The Little Green Island with a Little Red House, a book of colors and critters. So this, this podcast is going to be coming out right before the holidays season or right around the holiday season. I mean, this would be such a cute little stocking stuffer, you know, or for a grandchild on a little green island stands a little red house and it's all the colors and the illustrations are beautiful. I was surprised here. And are there, um, I don't think that there are many authors that do a bunch of different types of books. You know, is that, does that seem to be the case? Cause you've got the middle grade novel, you've got this children's book. Um, I wish you could see the pile that I'm working on now. Oh my gosh. Um, I am enchanted by life. And if you're enchanted by life, yesterday I spent the whole day out looking at uh, mushrooms, lichens, and mosses on Great Spruce Head Island. And I was led by, or I went with a man who is a PhD in mycology. So I got a, a worm's eye view of mushrooms and I loved it. I'm enchanted by so many facets of life that I can't imagine only writing one kind of thing. I have six things waiting for Jeff's going to be sending off. Wow. So wow. You know, that, I want to give you an example in my book, Camp Granny, I spent years trying to get all the different bird words that the birds said and, oh, that's awesome. and both day and night so that the kids could go out and hear the birds and maybe say, feed me, feed me. That's a chickadee. They don't just go chickadee, dee, dee. They say, feed me. So it's, you know, it's, it's just holding everything close to my heart and wanting to share it. And that's why I loved being a docent at the museum and sharing the wonder of nature with, with adults and children. Cause I had a woman who said to me, she was 97. And she said, if it's indeed true, um, to it's never too late to be a child at heart. This will be my best spring ever. I'm planting a sunflower house. Oh. And she sent me a picture. And in the picture, she was yeah. there holding a little glass of wine. And she said, no one, un no one under 65 allowed. <laughs> it was for grown up friends. Oh, my best spring ever. And I do think gardening gives that to us. It gives us that 
like sense of excitement or unknown or wonder what's going to happen. What's going to go on. That's right. What's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Plant a poppy. Let the children plant a poppy and let them watch it escape from its casing. And it's just amazing to have the kids watch the poppy slowly open. You know, it, it's a it's a magical thing. Yeah. I don't want to overuse that word, but that does. But it is, though. It's this wonder. It's this, you know, it, it breathes this freshness into life that, you know, life can become dull or, you know, just boring or like you had used that word or just kind of like the same, the doldrums, right? I think that's the word. Adds just so it just with us. I mean, I do remember that the three summers ago, I just had three things, you know, I had radishes (laughs) and morning glory. Now you have this jungle. But even with those three things, I I was like, oh my goodness. And, you know, look how long they bloom and, and the, you know, what, how vibrant the colors are. So um, I love that story about the 97 year old. My best spring ever. Isn't that how we all hope our lives go? It it touched my heart. It really did. You know, I thought, and then I started leading elder walks, uh, exploration walks. They're just as excited as children. You don't have to be five. You can be 95 and and it means something, you know, discovering something. And I think that's a really special thing about nature is that there isn't much else like it. You know, there's a little bit of literature that kids and adults like. There's a movie or two that kids and adults like. But most of the time, we're pretty separate, right? You know, my kids like games that I don't, you know, I don't like to play Candyland. You know, I mean, it's a cute game, but I don't enjoy playing it. You know, and, and but with nature, we uh, from, you know, from newborn, um, you know, all the way through the oldest of ages. I started taking my son Noah out, who, by the way, is a fabulous gardener, fabulous gardener. And I think he's training, you know, with me, he's working with the grands and with his wife. Um, I started taking him out when he was 10 days old. And I grow a lot of scented pelargoniums. People call them scented geraniums. And I would put his hand on the peppermint pelargonium and then put it up by his nose and you could see him respond to it. So, you know, they're there, they're totally there when they're using all five of their senses. And uh, one of the gardens that I loved making at my business was a five senses garden that invited children in to touch, to taste, to smell, you know, so it's, it's, it involves all your senses. And what you said about Candyland, I'm not a great game player. Um, in fact, ugh, I'm kind of a bad game player, but you want, you're still, when you're doing that, you're in parallel time with the children. You're not really like this, but when you're out in nature, you're like this, you're both connected, your heads are bumping together, you're passing things back and forth. It's different, totally different. Right, because you both like it and you're both getting things out of it. I think it's just, you know, it's, it's something that connects all the generations and so it's such a special thing. Um, all right, I've got codes. <laughs> oh, so you have the paperback, or does it have color? Do you have color illustrations in it. This one is black and white illustration. Oh well, the original was all in the original was all in color, but okay. that was um, really from my my daily gardening and my experiences with the birds and my experiences with the toads. And for me, I love research. So I spent a lot of time researching and these were 
I worked for Country Living Gardener the the entire time that it was in operation, which was Jeff. How many years was that? Ninety three. 93 to 2006. 93 to 2006. So many times a year I'd write a column and I'd get hundreds of letters and people asking questions. So that's just sort of um, my personal take and how to do different kinds of gardens like the scarecrow garden with the potato head scarecrow that looks like a uh, bird of prey, you know, that's, that's an Amish thing. And, you know, I just, I love doing the research for each piece and just getting the kids involved in it. So, and that that's a book for grownups and children. Yes. Different. Yes. I, I mean, I, I love this one. I would I wanted to read a quick, if I could, a quick paragraph. It says tomatoes produce their best crops when they are sonicated. Is that how you pronounce that? Sonicated. Yep. Or vibrated by bumblebees. Sonication is a fancy name for what I call the bumblebee rumba, a rough and tumble dance that will induce the most hesitant of tomatoes set fruit so i mean these are things and you just use the best words the bumble snuggles against the anthers and begins turning shivering vibrating and buzzing the wild twirling dance is so powerful that she might bite into the anthers or else she will shake herself off the flower i mean these the words that you use here and i never heard of this i've never heard of sonication you know so to read a gardening book and to be so enthralled uh, is really just a special thing. So I, I just wanted to read that. And then you talked about the humblebee. I mean, I have learned so much from these books, Sharon. And then then this one also talks about moonwort, which we haven't tried yet. But you talk about how kids use moonwort for earrings and coins. Like, can we talk about moonwort? Lunaria? I think so. It mm-hmm. says, my son called... Noah called moonwort the money plant and the silver dollar bush when the translucent pods appear. They're so easy to grow. You can get those seeds from most of our seeds people. And um, first they'll come up. I've got them all over my garden. They're they're what I call um, a tag-along plant. When we moved from Cambria, where we had our teaching garden, into town, certain plants started coming up that came from my friend's garden, Mrs. Squibb. She was in her 90s. And... um, one of those was Lunaria or Moonwort or Moon Plant or Money Plant. It has a lot of names. And first, it's it's a biennial. So the first year, you might only get just a little cluster of uh, plant. And the second year, you'll get a taller cluster with a pink bloom on it. And then you just can watch the whole process as it grows and grows. And then it sets these beautiful pods. And I, if I were at home in California, I'd have the, a cluster of the pods here. Um, and kids love playing with them. And we made crowns out of them. We made earrings, all sorts. So Lunaria is a must for kids. That's an easy peasy. And that's one of my top 20 plants, I believe, in uh, roots, shoots, buckets, and boots. People really need to try that one. Yeah, you talk about, I mean, so like I say, when I say like in one paragraph, you come out with a hundred of ideas. Moomor is, is irresistible to children as sunflowers are to gold finches. When kids discover the ripen pods in the garden, they immediately know they've struck it rich. I mean, how fun. And then you said you use moonwort as fairy dishes and platters for pretend tea parties. You know, you talk about thimble-sized servings of salad with flower petals and scallops that are hollyhock seeds. And dessert is a lemon pie, the center of a daisy. So, 
I mean, once again, this this book right here is just filled with wonder and ideas. A blessing of toads, a guide, a guide to living with nature. So it looks different than the other ones. It looks more like a like a novel. Um, <laughs> it has a lot of pages. It does. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's just full, full of magic. So when the skies open up, while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus and keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. I think, I think in Camp Granny, I have, they sent a photographer from New York or Connecticut to California to photograph some of my gardens. And I do have moonwort, Lunaria used in my moss, the moss garden the kids made and the little lampshades made out of uh, plants. And so, you know, people can see how you can use those for fairy tea parties and for fairy houses and everything. Yeah. These really are very different gardening books because like I said, I had bought a bunch you know, different gardening books. And I, 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 I finished them and just felt overwhelmed, you know, or, or like, this is over my head. There's too much to know. I shouldn't even get started. And I left yours. And I'm like, just inspired. Like, oh, I want to do all of these things. You know, I can't wait for another gardening season or I can't wait to plan. And um, so I've got, okay, I've got, 
Code Cottages and Shooting Stars. Which is Camp Granny. Along the top, it says a grandma's bag of trips. So I thought that they were probably the same. They are. They've just been published under two different. They, they changed they changed it from Toad Cottages and Shooting Stars to Camp Granny, which I didn't really want because this is definitely not for just grannies. This Waldorf teachers, uh, homeschoolers, everybody uses Camp Granny because it's got so much, so many learning tools in it, so many projects. So I, uh, to me, it's still Toad Cottages and Shooting Stars, but we'll call it Camp Granny. Yeah, so either, so people want to find it, they can find it under Camp Granny. So this one has... This one. Like you said, this one has color photos. So mixed in with mixed um, in with illustrations. So that's a neat twist for this book. Well, there's um, a reason. One. Uh, uh, the reason being that I sent many hundreds of paintings in and um, substitute worker accidentally threw them away. So in order to come out on time, my b- oh, beloved publisher, yeah. who I really loved, sent out... Uh, to make up for the deficit, sent that out. But I really like that because it's a family album. No, those are my grandchildren. And they're, oh, that's, that's a good yeah, that's that's, So out of the bad came the good, making lemonade out of lemons. And I like it better than I ever dreamed I could. Well, I like it because it's different. And I think that kids see things like this. You know, they see a, an image like that and they can imagine themselves in it. Um, I did not know that story. So... Those things that you drew were just com- and painted were completely lost. They were gone. And it's so weird because my young, young, young grandson saw me a few days after I found out about it. And he said, Ama, I dreamed that all your paintings were floating in the ocean. Um, he said that. And I said, oh, I wonder if they dumped them in the ocean. But um, that he knew somehow that my things were gone. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But it worked out because now I have this, they've captured the children in time. They're grown up now. And um, it, my granddaughter, Sarah, is on the front cover. It's very important for a child who's half Chinese to see a book that's relevant to her, that shows somebody that looks like her. So, yeah. What a story. I mean, I think, oh, a lot of times on this podcast, you know, we're talking to authors and, and different people. And I think it's important to know people's stories that, you know, the, the this is hard. And that's, I mean, to, to get the phone call that all your work has been accidentally thrown out. I mean, that's devastating. I was, I, I sort of crawled into the fetal position and covered up with my quilt. And Jeff said, come on, Sharon, don't be a chicken, get up. <laughs> so yeah, it was hard. It was, it's gone forever, but I do have those photos of the kids doing the actual projects that I wrote about and drew. So I'm happy. Yeah. So this Camp Granny, like you said, I mean, this has, well, this is the one with the bird words. So this has a page with all the bird words in here. I mean, absolutely, this is a book for families. It's for grandparents, but it's also for teachers and for parents. We homeschool. So this has got great resources for us. So many different craft ideas. I put a little cardboard in the Firefly Lantern page. Yes. um, Because there's just so much to learn here. The fireflies, eggs, and lar- larvae called glowworms are bioluminescent, which means they emit light. I mean, what a great vocabulary word. We talk about how in some cultures, fireflies are tucked into carved and pierced boards to use as natural lanterns, and that each species 
has its own sequence, intensity, and rhythm of flashing. You know, don't forget to release them before the night is over. So just, you know, just like in all the other books, you read a you read a couple lines and there's, you know, it's so rich in the information that you give. So I have that dream of going to the fireflies in Tennessee that all flash at the same time. Millions of fireflies. They don't have that rhythm that you but all at the same time. Can you imagine? Oh, wow, that would be so cool to see. I don't know. How do they do that? They flash at the same time? All of them. Millions of them. Oh, at a time. Yeah, you have to take your family down there. You have to get tickets. Yeah. And you okay. sit in the dark in chairs. And that's my dream next July. I really like to do that. So that's in Tennessee. I love um, things like how to make your backyard critter friendly in Camp Granny. Oh, yes. Yes. I like that. Yeah, I like that. These are easy projects for kids. You know, that that's on page 43, 42 to bring different kinds of hummingbirds and butterflies and um, how to how to attract uh, birds to the you know ground feeding birds out so you can watch them. And that's I really love that. I love being able to do that and to teach yeah. kids how simple it is, how yeah. simple it is to provide a habitat for them. Yeah. And, that, and this one's filled with recipes. Uh, yes. Same thing. Like even on the recipe page, there's so much information. So Cindy Rankin's dump cake, you know, and so, you know, you talk about flavored sugars with petals. I mean, rose petals and I mean, frog, frog on a lily pad. Oh, I love the frog on a lily pad, which is on 82, where the kids, you know, learn about making uh, eggs in bread frying them and oh that yes yeah so this one has all sorts of fun recipes with a bunch of extras please play with your food and how to make caterpillars out of cucumbers i'm looking at i mean there's so many things fluffy clouds um and then you just have all these little yeah the frog on a lily pad this this (laughs) reminds me of those highlights magazines right give children some butter and a knife, you know, but the word isn't there. So they have to use the picture. That's that rebus. That's yes. that's that rebus where the kids can put the word in. It's like a mystery or a treasure hunt for them to see a thing and be able to say the word without knowing how to read. I love yes. that. They get to be included. So you, right. have, you have all sorts of ideas in here. Breakfast, breakfast, lunch, dinner ideas. Um, and once again, I this is really special that it ended, you ended up having the photos. Yes, my grandkids, they're they're so wonderful. And they didn't know really what they were doing. They worked hard for a few days of shooting. And um, but now they have something to show for it. They can look back and say, oh, I was really young when I did that. (laughs) And people I think that people can look and say, like, look at this little toddler face. You know, I can use, you know, my, my child can be out there with me at a really young age. Look, I've got remember I told you I've got a I'm not sure if you can see it. Do this. <laughs> this is the whole look. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's my Moses who's out there picking fairy berries, uh, praise de bois. Yeah. And he helped plant ginger and he, he worked hard that those days. He was wonderful. He was just a two or three at that point. How special. Granny's magical craft box. So this is a fabulous book. It's with the holidays I'm coming up, you know, it's called Camp. You'll find it under Camp Granny. But what a fun gift for a grandparent. 
you know, or a parent or a new parent or a teacher. Um, it's just filled with awesome ideas and beautiful photos. So um, I don't even know how you come up with all this stuff, man. I can't come up with any good ideas. You got I have photos. ideas. I just don't have time. <laughs> I don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah, for all the ideas. Okay, so this one I loved. Trowel and Error, which that is such a clever title. I love that. Trowel and Error, over 700 organic remedies, shortcuts, and tips for the gardener. So this one's been really helpful for me as a new gardener, but also I, I think this probably hits all the levels, right? It's ideas for people who have been doing it for a long time. Um, so I, I, stuck a little, I stuck a little note in here um, on how to hasten the ripenings of squash and melons. You know, all these just so many well over 700 (laughs) (laughs) what a detective and you know I wrote maybe 450 pages and my editor said to me Sharon people don't want a seven course meal they want hors d'oeuvres you're going to have to cut some of this so that's why it's only 200 pages you had to cut over half I had all the science and she said, the science is wonderful. It's a good bibliography kind of thing. It's good for you to know it, but you do not, you do not want to present this as 452 pages. This is 200 pages of hard packed knowledge, germ, germs of knowledge. And um, you can answer the questions if people ask them, but cut it down to hors d'oeuvre size. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it is great, though. I mean, I do like the size of it, right? This is it's a good size. It was yeah. actually, I fitted it into my uh, gardening apron. And that's why yeah. it's it fits in the pocket of my gardening apron. And my copy that I have, my copies that I have are filthy, because I take it out in the garden. <laughs> I bet. Okay, so let's take a minute. I want to talk about your illustrations. So, you know, in one page here, this is the slugfest page. I mean, there yeah. are so many illustrations just on this one layout here. You know, <laughs> how how long do you do you write first and then do your illustrations after? I mean, it, you know, I don't really so live by those. The I don't really live by those kinds of rules. I, uh, for instance, I'm writing a book about a 19th century female scientist who was overlooked, just as Beatrix Potter was overlooked as a scientist. And um, sometimes I just have to stop. Like yesterday, I stopped and did uh, a, an illustration of her falling off a cliff and all the accoutrements that go with a, a scientist, you know, and then I started writing again. So sometimes you, you don't want an idea to fly away because they're, they're flightier than a hummingbird. And once they come and land on you, you need to get it down on paper. I love that. You don't want an idea to fly away. That's, that's good. I write it down. <laughs> so it doesn't fly away. <laughs> I got, okay, I've got a couple more. We're, gonna, we're running out of time. There's so many good books. So Sunflower Houses, a book for children and their grown-ups. I love that subtitle because how many books are there really for children and grownups? There's some, you know, but there's not a lot. And uh, so once again, you just got these beautiful illustrations. One of the things that really um, stuck out to me in this book, although, like I said, there's so many things, was the floral clock garden. Something that I would never have really known about, except that we moved to this farmhouse Um. This is our third summer here, and whoever was here knew about gardening, and so they planted things 
yeah, throughout the season, you know, so then you start with the daffodils and then there's tulips and then there's poppies and then there's, um, I don't, there's like the, oh, my mom would know the name. It's like a rose, like a spring rose. I don't, I always forget the names of things, but anyway, stuff blooms, you know, throughout the summer, these alliums, and then there's the next thing. So I kind of knew a little bit about this succession planting, or I don't know what you would even call it. But then you have in here about during the day, in one day, you know, having this rhythm that are going to bloom at different times. I I read a lot of old garden books from the uh, 1800s and 1700s. And I read about Linnaeus's work and talking about a Linnaean flower clock. And actually, Jeff, I was speaking at a children's outdoor nature outdoor conference in Malmo, Sweden. And we went to Linnaeus's garden. Sadly, there wasn't a flower clock there, but there were all the plants with their binomial classification. Um, So I started doing my own research of what I could grow and when it would open. So it took me two years to do that. Wow. It's wonderful. I mean, I was so excited when four o'clock's made their debut at four o'clock, you know, it's just exciting. Yeah. I mean, you have every hour on the hour, seven, starting at 2 (laughs) a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., I mean, all the way through. And what I have been impressed with, Sharon, is that, you know, these books, with the amount of amazing information that they have, each one has different things. You know, there's not any crossover. So you find this you know, awesome idea of what a cool way to, to teach kids how to tell time, you know? There's, yeah, I think there are a lot of back doors and avenues for getting through to kids without thumping on them. It's like parents who say, let's go work in the garden. Oh, no, that's the worst thing you can do. Right. Don't ever say, let's go work. Let's go play. Let's go explore. Let's go see what's going on. But don't say, let's go work. One of the cool ideas in here was to make a rainbow. And like, if you even have an idea, there's a photo here to make a pot of gold at the end and use rocks and different types of flowers. So this one is Sunflower Houses, a book for children and their grownups. I'm going to read the front. Remember making clover chains, hollyhock dolls, and firefly lanterns or hosting a fairy tea party? Remember checking when the four o'clocks bloom, these simple pleasures. Oh, I love that. And hundreds more are gathered here in a magical book of inspiration from the garden. So we love this one. Sunflower Houses. I've got two more here of yours. I have Hollyhock Days, Garden Adventures for the Young at Heart. We have um, a friend. So uh, a friend of mine who grew zinnias um, before I really knew about them. And she uh, she's young, but she's got this wealth of knowledge about her. And they've got four, her family has four kids. And when her daughter was at five, four or five, she knew all the varieties. You know, oh, that's her with the flowers and her daughter would know all these different varieties. And her daughter, uh, who is now eight, her oldest, her favorite flower is a hollyhock. Um, oh, but this book really makes me think of her. And um, so let's talk about this one, Hollyhock Days. Well, that uh, followed Sunflower Houses. And uh, sadly, my public, it went out of print, but I... Jeff and I stepped in and bought the last copies. My publisher no longer exists. And that happens a lot in the world of publishing. But we still still have some. And um, what was important for me was just to tell some of the traditions with things. And 
things like the hollyhock hermit that Jeff and I discovered up in the mountains, the man that grew, he wouldn't talk to people, but he grew thousands of hollyhocks, every color. He had so many butterflies in his garden. So it's just more storytelling. You know, people say that there's a one uh, profession that's the most ancient and I don't agree. I say, no, it's storytelling. I'm a storyteller and that's what I love to do. Yeah. And I, I, in fact, the hollyhock hermit, that's where my, um, that's where my little paper is here. Oh, okay. I love story about this. Um, you said my grandmother Lovejoy always told me that the hollyhocks and humans love to keep company with each other. And so that story definitely drew me in. Um, the crowd next to porches. And it's so interesting because we have hollyhocks here at our home that someone else planted that lived here before. And they are there right up against the porch. You know, they do. They do. like to keep company with us humans. I mean, we're the ones that carry the water when they're thirsty, right? Uh, yeah, easy to grow a hollyhock tent. So this is just such a beautiful book. I love this one, Hollyhock Days. And like I said, to have this little friend of ours, and she says that's her favorite flower. I'm like, oh, what a, and what a cute title. And then there's this. Oh, I loved writing that. That yeah. You know, my grandma went, the very first sentence in there, Yes, mama, mama, gave her la- mama gave her last breath the minute I took my first or something. It was, it was my grandmother Clark told me that her mother died when she the mom- moment she was born. And that's what started the whole story off. But it's really a book about friendship. It's really about friendship between two girls as different as day and night. And they became the best friends and they escaped slavery and bond, you know, bondage and cruelty together. And I, I got my, really got my basement uh, learning on that because in my cousin Margaret's attic in Winchester, Virginia, I sat up in a log cabin and I read a trunk full of letters that were abolitionist letters and things from my Quaker part of my family. And that's what's germinated the whole process of writing, running out a night. And I loved writing it. It's, to just sit down and to not have an outline and to not have any expectations and to just let the words pour from you like a sweet spring. It's just a wonderful thing. It really is. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. And the reviews on Amazon are amazing. Even on the front here, it says lush, detailed, total immersion storytelling. This is called Running Out of Night. And just, I mean, the image on the front. And like you said, it draws you in from the first sentence. I definitely... Mama gave her last breath just as I took my first. Although although Pa and my big brothers never said they blamed me for her death, I always felt it aching inside me like the rotten tooth our blacksmith fired out of my mouth. Why else would a Pa and his boys let a little girl come into the world and live for 12 years without giving her a name? I mean, that draws you in right from the beginning. I so love it's a beautiful book. <laughs> um, a middle grades novel. So everyone's always, everyone's always looking for middle grade novels, I think, or a good for a family read aloud. I mean, this is just a beautiful book running out of night. So I've got lots of wonderful letters from families. That's just amazing. It's been amazing. Well, Sharon, I just want to thank you. I mean, these books, they're life-changing. I, I mean, I don't really know how else to say that. Just that um, like for the rest of my life, you know, I'll have a garden and I don't think I would have if not for good girl. Good girl. And and I think my kids will. And I think I think that other people will. In fact, you know, I I send my stuff to you sometimes. I'm always sending stuff to my parents and my in-laws, you know, 
thank goodness for them. They're so encouraging. It's always like I'm sending them pictures of my flowers and uh, my parents grew zinnias for the first time this year. So that's been a neat little bonding thing because they're they're avid gardeners. They always have a beautiful garden. And so they got to grow something new. But um, people are starting to send me their things. And, oh, you know, there's their zinnias and their um, well, that's it, because that's the only thing I really talk about. But they're, you know, they're starting to send me pictures of their things. And I think, well, that stemmed from you and, and giving me the courage and, um, you know, to, to go forth and try and, and to and to give the steps. These are the easy things. These are the things you're not going to fail at. And, you know, you're going to get a lot of joy out of. So I just want to say thank you. I mean, these are labors of love. Two years, three years to write these books. That's a lot. And, um, you know, I think they will live on forever as, as influential books for families and for Thank you so much. Thanks for what you do. Thank you for your time here today. Can we end with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours? I see my grandmother who would come and get me in the morning or I run through the hollyhocks. She had a fabulous garden and she would carry a colander with her and we'd pick berries or whatever we were using. And I keep a colander on a big nail outside my kitchen door on, in her honor. So that way when the kids pick things, they can just wash them, get the worst of the dirt off and maybe eat some of the things outside. So I see my grandmother Lovejoy in the, in the sunlight. Oh, it's beautiful. I think so many people associate their favorite and best childhood outdoor memories with grandparents. So um, I think you're inspiring all of us to do the same. Thank you, Sharon, so much. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Keep up the good work. to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.